The first part of any consulate is the services that you provide to your own community who lives in that locality. People might not be documented does not mean that they are there to be exploited and that therefore they don't have rights. What should a Mexican national do if they encounter unsafe working conditions? Right. They can come to the consulate or communicate with us, you know, to let us know. And we will take that. We will investigate together with the authorities, of course. You know, I'm not legal, like I cannot report this and da da da. Right. And so it's been so sad. You know, me as a Latina, I see these people that they don't know where to go. It's for the Latino community. Right. It's not just for the Mexican community. Fabiana said, and you mentioned too, it's more of a cultural thing. We are not very used to reaching out and seeking for help, this type of help. What day is the, the tacos going to be there? <laughs> are, are there tacos? Oh, geez. Is it Tuesday? Are there no tacos? We're doing, I think we're doing it on Wednesday, right? Is that Wednesday gonna tacos? Be, uh, Wednesday, we're going to be here Wednesday. It's not going to be Tuesday tacos. It's going to be Wednesday. Wednesday okay. tacos. <laughs> saving lives. Saving lives. Saving lives. Saving lives. Saving lives. By promoting safety and health through education, services, and products, this this Speaking up for safety. The Speaking Up for Safety podcast from the Utah Safety Council, sponsored by the Utah Labor Commission. We're in Salt Lake City. Again, excited to be in Salt Lake at the Mexican Consulate's office. I'm John Wojcikowski, the current president of the Utah Safety Council, here joined today with uh, J.P. Juan Pablo Eastmond. He comes to us from uh, Leighton by way of uh, Columbia. And then we also have uh, Fabiana Diambra. Where are you from again in Utah? Where do you come in from every day? Sugar House, so Salt Lake City, by way of Argentina, though. And then uh, our esteemed guest today is uh, Eduardo Baca. He's the current consulate, Mexican consulate here in Salt Lake City. I guess, what is your official title? Like, what do the people in the office call you? The official title is Consul of consul? Mexico. Okay. Yeah. So people usually call me Consul. If they're addressing you in the office, they, uh, they refer to you as Consul. Consul? Yeah. Okay. Very yeah, good. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, Consul Baca. How did, that, how did that go? How did that sound? Pretty very good, good, pretty very official? Good. Very, very formal. <laughs> this is the last yes. thing I want to do, showing you disrespect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, uh, welcome to Utah. My notes tell me that uh, you arrived in Utah, uh, this post, uh, December 21st, 2022. So by way of Kuwait. So how did you enjoy your first winter here in Utah? Maybe let's just kick it off with that. How are you enjoying Utah and Utah winters? And are you looking forward uh, to snow that uh, should be coming in several weeks? But. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I enjoyed the, the, the winter. It was um, after not having been in a, in a place with such a harsh winter for many years. So it was quite uh, exciting. I was worried at one point because I thought this is the normal winters here but then most people told me no no this is not the normal this was has been a particularly harsh winter so i was relieved by that um yeah but i enjoyed it good what's uh, what's been your favorite part of uh, utah so far well to be honest although i just said i enjoyed the winter i i really enjoyed seeing the sun and having like uh, <laughs> nice weather uh, but i've enjoyed it all there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of activity for especially we're based here in Salt Lake City, for the size of the city, the city has, you know, it's like hits above 
other cities of this size. Mm -hmm. So it's quite interesting because there's, a, of course, a, a very interesting uh, community work. We had a, have a lot of allies. Uh, as well, the city has a lot of attractions with, again, I say, that cities of this size, other cities of this size don't have. So they, there's a symphony. There are quite a few uh, museums. There's the opera. So there are a lot of things, as well as the educational institutions, the University of Utah, BYU, but also UVU and Weber, et cetera, who are also good partners of ours. So mm -hmm. it's been great. Good. Yeah, we're a fun, diverse uh, foodie state towns or towns. Uh, have you, uh, what's been your favorite like hobby, activity, restaurant? Well, I haven't had a lot of time to really <laughs> rest and, and, and have a look around, but I have been to a couple of games of the Real. Oh, very uh, good. The soccer uh, yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and my son is a fan of soccer, so we've been to that. And we've been to a couple of parks. We haven't gotten to the national parks yet, but we hope that the next season we'll be able to. Because my son just and my wife just arrived a couple of weeks ago. Oh, very They were good. still in Mexico City, him finishing off the, the school year there. Well, welcome to Utah, you and your family. Uh, we're certainly uh, happy to have you, and um, you do great work, and we're, we're going to dive into that a little bit. But you did come here by way of uh, Kuwait, which, you know, you've been a diplomat for, uh, well, for Mexico for 30 years now, so... You know, maybe uh, tell us, you know, how you ended up in Utah by way of Kuwait and, you know, just the highlights of your esteemed career. Well, thank you very much. Uh, well, sort of going back, um, well, Kuwait, I was there for three years. It, it was quite an interesting experience because it was my first time in the region. So I had never been in the, um, in the Middle East or in the Arabian uh, Gulf area. So that was quite an interesting three years, of course. The work there is much more uh, political and promotion-wise, not consular-wise. It's, it's a very small part of it. Mm. But anyway, it was quite interesting. And uh, coming here to Salt Lake, I was really pleased to come back to the consular um, work that we do. As we like to say in Mexico and in the Foreign Service, this is, we have a, a, you know, the biggest consular network almost in the world, especially when you think of, about the presence of a, of a consul in another country. We have 52 offices in the United States, which oh. is something unheard of. There's no other country that has 52 offices in another country. Yeah. So, so that means that the work here is quite intense. It's quite unique from the work that we do in consulates in other countries because of the size of the community, because of our history, because of the ties that we have between the U.S. and Mexico. So I was uh, very excited to come back. I had been consul in Seattle a few years back, so I had the experience, and I really liked uh, this line of work. So I was very happy to uh, when I was uh, assigned to come here. Very good. Any uh, comparisons you want to make on the record of Kuwait and Utah? Are we? Uh, are there any similarities? <laughs> are there good Mexican restaurants in Kuwait? I guess that's no, no, <laughs> no. That's one one big difference. Uh, not, not yeah, not a lot of. Uh, just a couple of uh, Mexican restaurants, um, and of course, the quality of the ones here are much better. Uh, um, so, uh, you know, uh, it's weather-wise, it's it's so different in in every way. You know, mm. it's a different culture. Certainly, a Muslim uh, country. Uh, the weather; it's one of the hottest places in the world. So that that was just quite a change. So here we have seasons. So I'm glad to be back in a place where we have seasons. 
But uh, having said that, it was quite an interesting experience. It's an interesting part of the world. For us, it's, it's a very young relationship, so there's a lot of things, new things that we can do. So anyway, it was quite interesting, but I've been um, in other places. I've always gone back to Mexico City to do work at the foreign ministry, but I've been in South America. I've never been posted in Argentina. I wish that why? I will someday. Why? I, I know, that's why I, I ask the same thing. But the closest that I got, I, I was posted in uh, Venezuela, um, also in the um, English-speaking Caribbean, in Trinidad and Tobago. And aside from that, I've been very much concentrated in Mexico City doing policy work and the U.S. and Canada. Sort of about two-thirds of my career has been involved in one way or another with the U.S. and Canada. So I have been posted in Canada, posted in D.C. Uh, as a consul here and having policy positions in Mexico regarding the Mexico U.S. and the Mexico-Canada relationship. Wow. You're getting around. How does your uh, family keep up with all the moving? And the- well, Yeah, it's a big challenge. Yeah. I, I, for me, it's exciting career-wise, but uh, it gets complicated with family, especially when you have uh, school-aged children, mm, yeah. especially when they get into the teenage years. Yeah, It, it becomes a, a, a bit more challenging, but I've been lucky because, you know, they have adapted and they've, you know, always joined... Uh, and the activities as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky and I appreciate that from them as well. Good. Well, Fabian can offer all kinds of advice on teenagers to you and your, your wife. So. <laughs> I have two. Well, one, okay. she's 18. Okay. So she's studying like uh, college. Right. So she's going to Snow College in South Utah. Uh-huh. So she started actually yesterday. So I'm feeling old. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been, a, you know, it's, it's like a new you know, stage in my life. And I have a 14 years old. Okay. But you have kids. Are they older, right? My kids are old. But oh, okay, yeah. So they're I guess not I'm worth the, talking about. I'm the only <laughs> one that has teenagers here? <laughs> no. I have a 22-year-old who's in Mexico. And mm. then the, the, my son, Diego, who's here, he's 14. Ah, okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's a soccer fan. He's a soccer fan. Uh, I yeah. bet. Well, he's from Mexico. Yeah, so. yeah. He's a soccer go, fan. Right? He's a big Messi fan. Is he? Oh, yeah, massive, massive. So now that Messi is here, he's hoping that he gets a chance to, you know, to go to a game where Messi is. Yeah, I'm hoping the same thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's uh, maybe uh, provide an overview of what the the services and support the consulate in Utah, you know, does for uh, the Mexican community here. Sure. Yeah. Certainly, uh, the first part of any consulate is the services that you provide to your own community who lives in that locality. So in that sense, of course, we have a big community in the state of Utah. Um, We cover all of Utah and the western part of Wyoming. So, but of course, the the biggest chunk of our work is in in Utah and around Salt Lake. It's a big uh, community because we tend not only to the people that were born in Mexico and that are here, but also people of Mexican origin. Because according to our law, if at least one of your parents is Mexican, it doesn't matter where you were born, you have a right to Mexican nationality. So we have that part of the population as well. And so our estimates, because we don't have a precise number, because people are not obligated to register with the consulate. Mm -hmm. Some countries do. You have to register with your consulate. But in the case of Mexico, you don't. It's voluntary. So some people register, some don't. 
But our estimates are, are that our population or the population that we serve, which includes those two, Mexicans born in Mexico and those of Mexican origin, uh, is around 400, 430,000 people, more or less. Wow. Um, so that keeps us quite busy. Yeah. Uh, as you might have seen when you came into the consulate, we provide about between 120 to 150 appointments every day for the basic um, services that are the most in demand, which is the issuance or the re renewal of Mexican passports, the issuance of our consular ID, which is something that was didn't exist about 30 years ago, mm -hmm. and it's something that Mexico started and was, I, I can say, a pioneer in that sense because of our big community here and the need for them to have an ID. And the issue about having, of course, a passport is an ID, but it's not the most convenient that you carry your passport around every day to identify yourself. So one of the things that we did, we worked with the federal government, with state governments and state agencies, and also private organizations like banks in order to get a, a consular ID, which we call matricula consular, which would, be, would have high safety elements in it so that it would be accepted by institutions in the U.S. as a valid uh, form of ID for Mexicans uh, here in the United States. So that's the second most uh, in-demand document that we have. And then the third, I would say, which is not a document itself, is that in Mexico you need a voter ID card in order to participate in, in elections, which we have elections. Um, people can vote abroad. It started, we couldn't up until about 15 years ago. So about 13 years ago, a new legislation was implemented. So Mexicans abroad can vote in presidential elections. And some state legislatures have made changes so that they can also vote in some state elections as well. Hmm. So anyway, they need that card in order to vote. And they also, a lot of people also ask for it because it's the most widely recognized and accepted form of ID in Mexico. Hmm. So if you go like, whereas here you have your driver's license and it's like widely accepted in Mexico, it's the voter ID card oh. that is widely accepted anywhere. Yeah. So much so that I've heard that some um, car rentals here in the U.S. sometimes say, you're Mexican? Oh, yeah, we can accept your voter ID because oh, it's, it's well known. They know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it has also a lot of security. So anyway, we don't issue that card, but since there's a big demand uh, by our community abroad, we, the foreign ministry, negotiated an agreement with the electoral agency in Mexico so that we collect the information that they need in order to issue the card. So we only collect the information, we scan the documents, they are sent to our federal uh, election uh, agency, and they take it from there. Hmm. They vet it, and if they, uh, they cover all of the requisites, then they mail directly to the person here their voter ID card. Okay. So that's like the third one most in demand. But then we have other services. We register, as I said, children of people that have at least one of their parents is Mexican. We register them, so we serve as a civil register for that. And we issue uh, Mexican birth certificates for children that were born here, but that at least one of their parents is Mexican. So I sign about five, four or five uh, birth certificates every day. 
Hmm. Uh, we also do um, power of attorneys. We have a certain number of functions as notaries. So therefore, if somebody needs to do something legal that they require a power of attorney, they can't travel, so they provide it to an acquaintance, uh, you know, a family member, a relative, or whomever to do all types of legal transactions in Mexico. So we have a big demand for that, you know. Do you help uh, just Mexican nationals or, uh, for example, JP and Fabiano, they come over from Colombia and, and Argentina. Do you provide services to, you know, Latin American immigrants or? We, for, in terms of uh, what we call documentation, which are these, we can't. We only provide it to Mexican citizens mm -hmm. or of Mexican origin. But we do have another part of the consulate that does community outreach work. And that's available to all of the Spanish-speaking population. So, for example, we have what we call a health window, which we started just the formula. It was easier that people were usually in our consulates. They would wait for the documents. Not anymore, but, you know, up until 20, 30 years ago, in order to get your passport or to get something issued, you would have to come, provide the requisites, and then you would have to wait. Sometimes, you know, three, four, five hours. And instead of people just wasting that time, we thought it would be a great idea for to serve have like a one-stop serve shop. And mm -hmm. so we started to make alliances with local organizations so that we get information that was vital to the community and that they could use their time at the consulate. So that's how we started, for example, what we called our health window, which was that, you know, they're here so we could provide, we had already made the, the diagnosis that a lot of people needed information about health services in their own language because, of course, it's a different system. What are they, what could they be eligible for or not? Uh, we also, and then eventually we got that information in Spanish. A lot of local organizations started to realize that they had this community that they needed to serve. And so we started to do that and we replicated that we're actually celebrating this year the 20th anniversary of this formula, the health window, mm. which we have in every consulate in the U.S. Oh, wow. uh, so we make an arrangement with the local agency and we do matching funds and we serve and we provide all types of references uh, for low-cost uh, clinics, but also we provide with our partners. We do, like for example, now that the flu season is coming up. We, we usually do a drive for mm -hmm. flu vaccines. We, we did a, a big drive for the COVID vaccines. And we actually, um, you know, a lot of government offices came to us to try to serve that community and to okay. get as many vaccines possible through the Latino com uh, community. So we partner up with the state health officials here as well as local clinics, et cetera, et cetera. So in the, in the area of health, although we have the health window with one agency, but we have like alliances with so many, University of uh, Utah Health, uh, local uh, health clinics, I mean, all types of things. Wow. So we try to get, uh, uh, for example, um, mental health uh, resources. We're trying to get in Spanish, a whole bunch of things. And we've replicated this in the, uh, the years since, both in terms of education information and then also financial education, because those are areas where we see that there's particular needs, you know. Um, so we do that, and all of that is open 
to uh, the Spanish-speaking community. They don't have to be Mexicans because it's available. It's information that, and resources that are available here, and it's for everyone. Yeah, so there's specific things you're doing for the Mexican community, but then you're not turning anybody away. You're uh, you know, providing, so if JP comes and he's got questions about uh, uh, this or that, you can at least uh, provide him with the resources that, right. uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yep. That's very, very nice and very convenient, right? For right, this, right. The Spanish-speaking community. But I actually had an instance where I uh, needed some power of attorney. Uh-huh. And the closest... Um, to me, here in Utah, it's in San Francisco. I know. The closest yeah, yeah. consulate, so that made it very, very difficult. Yeah. That's that's um, that's a, a type of service that only your government can provide yeah. in this case. Yeah, it is. We sometimes get people that are coming from, I mean, although we cover, you know, all of, of Utah and part of Wyoming, sometimes we get people that come from other states because the consulate that they are assigned to or that is closest to them has like uh, doesn't have appointments available, so they come here, you know. And we all work through appointments, but when people come from very far away, we try to make you know the most the most possible to accommodate them, you know, because they're already here. But yeah, it's it's complicated. Yeah. I mean, for example, when I was in Seattle, we covered Alaska, and so you know that people had to travel, you know, from Alaska to Seattle, maybe stay a day or two. Um, anyway, so I know it's complicated. It definitely is complicated. And um, hopefully someday, I think uh, uh, Colombia had a consulate a long time ago here. Really? Uh, I, I was told, hopefully in the future they might have, El Salvador just opened a consulate here. Uh, That's uh, what I heard, A right? full-time consulate. Yeah, because um, Mexico is the only one here. New yeah, time, yeah, so. we were the only one for like 100 years. Yeah. But now there's one from El Salvador, and I've heard rumors that there might be one coming for Peru. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, uh, uh, before the end of the year is out. And how do they decide what consulate to bring, just because of the population? or It's usually the population, um, although there can be other things uh, involved, but it's usually, you know, the first driver is the population. How many? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it depends on, on our government, you know, that whether you have enough resources, um, etc. Yeah, I know that sometimes... Um, you know, when there's budgetary cost, even we've closed a couple of embassies, uh, you know, we've reopened them again a few years back, but sometimes, yeah, the, the, the budgetary issue is a big, uh, is a big concern or a big, uh, factor. I mean, these immigration stories are just super inspiring. I mean, I think, oh, geez, could I just like move to Mexico, for example, and learn the language and assimilate and, you know, become like, uh, you know, contributing person in society like Fabian and JP, you know, they, 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 they came over from, from their Latin American countries and educated and families. And now they're working at the Utah safety council as our accountants and professional right. positions. And they did all this in like, you know, less than a decade's time. So I, I couldn't do it. Brandon, could you do it? Oh, Brandon doesn't have a mic. No, I, I do have a mic. Uh, no, it's, well, I mean, I guess if I was, I really, really wanted to, <laughs> but it's a lot of work is what you're saying. Yeah. Right. Well, it sounds like what the consulate and consulates often do in general is very important. But uh, uh, I'm I'm curious, like, what are the specific? Can you talk to us about the legal rights that uh, you know Mexican nationals and immigrants in general have when they come over? 
like they still have uh, uh, legal rights and labor rights and social services available, even if they're documented or not documented. Right. Correct. Yeah. That's one of the, the, the things that we've been working on um, the last couple of decades, I would say, especially the last one, which is the whole realization that the fact that people might not be documented does not mean that they are there to be exploited and that therefore they don't have rights. And that's a big, big thing. And that's why we've, you know, I, I, I use the term document or undocumented with a purpose because, you know, I, the, the term illegal sometimes gives the idea that therefore people are illegal and therefore they are not protected by the law and they are protected by the law. And so that's very important. And it's, it's very important because when you're in an undocumented situation, you are vulnerable. People can take advantage of it, unfortunately. It doesn't happen in places like Utah, fortunately. It doesn't happen very often, but there are other places that it does happen. Every time you have somebody that is vulnerable, it doesn't matter whether we're talking about you know, Latin Americans or not, but just in general, any part of the world, then they can be, you know, they can become exploited or they could be, you know, uh, abused in some way. So one of the things that we've worked together, and especially we've been able to do it in the U.S. because I think that both at the federal level and at the state level, uh, governments uh, do agree in this sense that we have as governments a responsibility to see that, you know, our citizens' rights are respected. And in the case of the uh, immigrant community here, and of course they have a representation uh, irrespective of their, of their um, migratory situation here in the U.S. So that's one of the issues, and we've tried to do it in terms of labor rights particularly, but also in the fact when people are uh, the object of a crime or the victims of a crime, that they do have resources that the fact that they're here undocumented doesn't mean that, you know, there are no resources. So that's one of the things, and um, that that sort of gives, gives me uh, a chance to talk about another area of the consulate, which is our protection area. Uh, our protection area really is in charge of uh, following programs precisely to make sure that uh, all of these issues of human rights, labor rights are uh, protected and in those cases where unfortunately there's an abuse and we identify that there's a vulnerable community who doesn't have resources whether they be financial but also the legal resources we have some funds dedicated by the federal government of Mexico to provide some support so for example we have a program in the US which is called legal advice for Mexicans abroad and through that program, we have a certain budget, and we uh, sign, actually, contracts with local law firms that specialize in immigration, labor law, family law as well, and other types, depending on, on the, uh, the community there. And through different studies, if we can prove that people don't have the resources and that they have been the victims of a crime or they, they've been exploited, then we can provide uh, some legal aid with the offices that we work with, that we have contracts with. So in the last, actually, although I won't give details, but we just had a case 
of uh, some uh, agricultural workers who came to to Utah with visas, H-2A visas, to work, but unfortunately the the conditions were violated by the employer. Well, let me ask you that. What should a Mexican national do if they encounter unsafe working conditions? Right. They can come to the consulate or communicate with us, you know, to let us know, and we will take that. We will investigate together with the authorities, of course, the conditions, uh, like in this case that I mentioned, Fortunately, it was one of our allies. We have a lot of allies in the different areas that we work with. Mm -hmm. Of course, organizations locally that are looking at health safety like you are or that are looking at uh, health uh, working conditions that are the safety, et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes they are the ones that notice that something might be wrong. And they alerted us to the fact that there were migrant workers and that something was happening. And then we found out that they were Mexican etc. And now we're trying to, we're providing them with support. And one of our, the legal firms is looking into the matter and seeing what they, that they, that there's a case and that what they are owed will be paid eventually, you know, a whole legal process is going to have to start now. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so they can come directly or if there are um, organizations that have a suspicion or notice, they usually can come to us and report it either through our social media, anonymously, they don't, you know, because I, I realize that sometimes people are a bit concerned, but they can do it anonymously, and we have the obligation to look into it. But even if they're uh, documented, not documented, they can uh, report it without fear of deportation. Exactly, exactly, definitely. It has nothing to do, and, and you know, even the fact that, I don't know if you noticed, but we're, the consulate is housed and in a building where we have UCIS right upstairs. So that just goes to show you that, you know, there's there's quite, there's a full respect on both sides in terms of what is our function and what is the function of the U.S. Uh, authorities, depending on that. So I, I again, like I say, in the case of uh, Utah, I think in general, it's a very, you know, we have great working relationships with with police departments in terms of you know, having good communication with the uh, with the Spanish-speaking uh, communities, we we work together. You know, because we realize that in in many cases we we are serving the same community. I always say that it's a shared community because they are a member of this community, but then they also have links to Mexico, and they have you know, and we we look after that as well. That's part of our our our, our mandate. Yeah. Uh, I'm very fascinated for what you're sharing so far because I, I'm, I've been in Utah for like 20, 22 years now. And I have seen so many things like, especially uh, in labor, like in, you know, the workplace. I, I have seen like, I worked in construction before and, and a lot of like our employees were more like, they didn't want to report like an accident, for example. No, you know, like I don't, you know, I don't have the right, I'm, you know, I'm not legal, like I cannot report this and da da da. Right. And so it's been so sad, you know, me as a Latina, I see these people that they don't know where to go. And so having you here and, and telling us all the resources that not only the Mexican, but as Latino, we can come here yeah. and see, ask, you know, and, and you guys work with so many locals, like attorneys, uh, financial. Uh, health, which yeah. is more, you know, super important. 
even though like um, uh, I have seen like a lot of uh, people, Latinos, that don't report uh, domestic violence, which is a big thing here in our community. And so uh, it's so important to know like where to go. Can be a consul, a Mexican consul. You guys here are are very strong. It's a strong community, and uh, and it's so nice that we Latino we can come here and say, hey, where where can I go? Right. You know, where do I find this information? And right. as we go like to the Labor Right Week, uh, I feel like uh, this is very important to know, and um, we can you know know our rights and see you know like what we can do as a Latino. And that's something that we always talk with, you know, John and Brandy, like how we can uh, uh, expand our service through the community, uh, to the Latino community, mm-hmm. uh, offering like different classes in Spanish and like uh, like we offering now OSHA and the other one is uh, Safe, defense and driving, defense and, driving and then safety essential is that the other one and so hopefully many more in the future right. but having like you guys here like and, and I was telling Fernanda like when Alejandro came to our office and explained what you guys do I didn't know many things I thought that you guys just did like documents you know like the passport like the matricula the, this like just legal documents mm-hmm. and it really expand my knowledge and be like, oh, I can go there and like as an Argentinian right. and find more information about different things as well. Right, yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, this helps a lot as well. And through, through contacts like you, you know, to let other members of the community know that this is available. I'm trying to get, as a, every time I participate, some, you know, anywhere, I always say this, all of the community outreach services are available to the Latino community. So, you know, you can come, you can get a reference, um, you know, and we're very lucky here, especially in in Salt Lake, this consulate, because we have a lot of allies. In the community outreach work, we couldn't do half of what we do without local allies. We couldn't do it. We don't have the resources. Uh, we don't have the, you know, the, the, the reach that and the knowledge uh, of the community mm. that a lot of these local organizations have. So just like in Labor uh, Rights Week, which we will talk about, we have a whole list of, of local partners, you know. So that's basic for us, whether it be, you know, um, nonprofits, city agencies, state agencies, or local offices of a federal government like um you know department of labor etc uh we we partner up so that's why it's so important that you know the most part as many part of the latino community gets this information because Mm -hmm. it's it's for the latino community it's not just for the mexican community so you know, uh, if you can refer, and we have a lot of uh, events during the year, like this one that the labor mm-hmm. rights. We have, um, we just finished uh, an education by National Education Week, and we're going to have something that we've been doing for many years, which we call Binational Health Week, which we took together with, that's why it's called Binational, because we started to do it with uh, Department of Health in Washington and other places, state. So we have all of this information. Sometimes I think we just need to, you know, we get a, caught up also with the everyday work. And sometimes we need to, you know, get it out there. But through partners like you, 
and and also through social media you know you can follow us on social media and we have the information there uh nice. all the time yeah nice you know, as we segue into talking about uh, Labor Rights Week, how many uh, Mexican nationals or, uh, you know, Latino workers do you think we have in Utah? I've heard about 18,000 before. I don't know if that's still accurate. Or uh, Well, yeah, we don't have a, a, a precise uh, figure. We think that it's much more than that. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, there's a whole issue of undocumented workers, et cetera. But as you know, also a big part of the community, especially the the what I would say the the more the more recent uh, comers to uh, Utah, of course, um, you know, newcomers. You have people that have been here for decades, but then you have uh, people that might have arrived a few years ago. We had a lot of people coming from other states in the U.S., mm -hmm. uh, California, etc. Um, and sometimes people have more than one job, you know, mm -hmm. um, especially if they have young kids, a family, etc. Uh, it's not unusual for people to have two or three jobs, so sometimes they work part time, and it's dif difficult to have the you know the data. But um, it is quite uh, a big uh, part of it, and there are a lot of needs. And again, I say we're very lucky here in Utah because there are a lot a lot of organizations like yours that you know that work in different areas of uh, labor, whether it be labor rights or safety or uh, training or certification, all of this. So, of course, there are, there are a lot of needs, um, you know, not just the people that unfortunately have had a problem, mm -hmm. but that need training, certification that can be uh, follow or know better the security issues at work and follow them. We need to create that culture in, in the Hispanic community because it's sometimes they come from an, you know, where there wasn't that culture at all. So they're not even familiar in order to translate it. They need to learn it, you know? Yeah. So it's, um, there are a lot of challenges, but again, we're, we're lucky here because there are a lot of um, institutions and organizations that, that, that work with us. You know, you watch the Utah Occupational Safety and Health Administration, as well as the uh, uh, ROMCO, the Rocky Mountain Center for Occupational, Environmental and Health. You know, they both have projects where, uh, you know, they're offering classes in Spanish, and they're really working hard to engage the Spanish-speaking right. community. Uh, but UWASH, for example, uh, I mean, they're very good to make sure that, uh, uh, you know, Mexican nationals specifically aren't, uh, you know, taken advantage of in construction sites or manufacturing right. sites, but they do not, uh, you know, uh, police, for lack of a better word, you know, the right. agriculture industry. So I'm curious, uh, uh, you know, how, how that is addressed, just to make sure that, you know, Mexican nationals aren't exploited in, in that industry. Right. Well, we're trying to beef up our program in the protection area, um, you know, visiting um, uh, agricultural fields where we get information that there are Mexican uh, workers. Again, sometimes the references come from, you know, leaders in the area, some allies uh, that work other issues and they notice something or they say, oh, you know, there's a big group uh, who are now in, you know, whatever, the lavender fields or this or that. And so when we get that information, you know, we usually try to uh, program something to go out there. Um, usually, uh, you know, you, you can uh, connect with the employers and there's usually no problem. But if not, we, we connect with local organizations and we can do something outside of the fields. If there's 
uh, a certain situation that they don't allow us on, and we don't want it to be confrontational. Uh, we, we of course, have to respect uh, private property rights, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, yeah, we, we try to get out as much as we can. And, again, I can't emphasize enough the work of local organizations that sometimes we go and participate in their events, and that's a way also to connect with that part of the community. Yeah, and I know we're working with Alejandro in your office to connect him with uh, Amshaw, the Mining and Safety Health Administration, right. to... Uh, uh, he said that there's a lot of uh, uh, Mexican nationals he thinks working in the mining industry. And so I guess that's the point I want to make is even if, uh, you know, you're an agricultural, you know, Mexican working and uh, something's not right and you want to report it, you can still call UWASH and I'm sure they would uh, at least help point you in the right direction or the consul's office. So, right. uh, well, what's Labor Rice Week? That's coming up in a week's time. And I'm sure you guys are so busy uh, putting that week together. But yeah, maybe tell us a little bit about that and who can participate and what it is. And Right. Yeah. Well, we started this in the in the Mexican consulates in the U.S. Uh, a few, I, I would say over a decade ago, probably two, in order to, around Labor Day here in the U.S., to, we thought it was a great opportunity to highlight issues uh, regarding labor rights. It grew out of cooperation between the, the Mexican authorities and the U.S. Department of Labor, precisely in this continuous uh, work to ensure that, that rights are respected irrespective of migratory status. And so we work with the Wage and Hours Division very much, uh, as well as the safety area of the Department of Labor. So this grew out of that cooperation. We decided to do something sort of together, and it started as a binational um, effort as well. And then we saw that it was really useful and really uh, it was a great opportunity. Although we have those resources all the time, but it's great to sort of focus attention, you know, on, around a date. And so Labor Day here was just seemed like the most natural one. So usually, sometimes we do it uh, starting on Labor Day, depending on when it falls. This year, we're doing it uh, the week leading up to Labor Day. So we'll be doing it from the 28th of August to the, to the 1st of September. And usually, we try to concentrate in that week a whole series of events that we do uh, similar ones during the year. But the idea is to sort of group together a good bunch of activities so that People that are interested can really have the opportunity to have contact with local agencies that are working in certain issues. We also work with local um, employers and where we can to do these job fairs as well. So like we're going to have here um, next week. And then we also try to do like, uh, if we can, seminars regarding a certain particular area that might be of interest to that state or that region in particular as well as, um, you know, do certifications with local agencies to provide the, 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 the courses at a lower cost for our community. And that, again, like I said about um, community um, activities, that's open to all of the Spanish-speaking community, not only to Mexicans. I remember last year uh, we came to the exposition and there was like tacos. What day is the, the tacos going to be there? 
Are, are there tacos? Oh, geez. Is it Tuesday? Are there no tacos we're doing, I think we're doing it on Wednesday, right? Is that it's Wednesday tacos? Be, uh, when, we're going to be here Wednesday. It's not going to be Tuesday tacos. It's going to be Wednesday. Wednesday okay. tacos. <laughs> Wednesday tacos. Wednesday will be yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we're doing a whole bunch of activities. Um, we're starting off on the 28th um, with um, well, the inauguration itself. But we're also going to have, uh, you know, a panel on end to labor exploitation with some, um, to some, with some local um, allies. I will um, be the coordinator for the panel, but we're going to have people from people from the um, Asian Association Traffic and In Persons Program. We're going to have Utah Legal Services participating. One of our program participants in the legal uh, aid that we have which is uh, Trujillo Acosta Law, and we're going to have somebody from the Attorney General's Office from the Coordination of Trafficking in Persons Task Force. So, you know, that's going to be more of a, a, a discussion, but then the rest of the week we have both the um, talks, like what are your, your rights as uh, Mexican workers? That's going to be given by the Park City Police, particularly what happens there mm -hmm. in Park City. Then we're going to have a certification on security in the place of work with a preferential cost. Then we're going to have another one for forklifts uh, certification. Then we're going to have a labor fair with uh, employment offers there as well. Then we're going to have Facebook Live uh, regarding workplace and security measures. And then on the last day, we're going to have some legal advice and a call with, with some of the lawyers if people have questions about labor law in particular and mm. labor rights. And one last certification about safety forms and documents. And then one class on the use of cleaning materials in the workplace. Mm. So that's just an example of, you know, the things that we're working on, but all types of things, you know. So anyway, I hope that people um, participate. Most of the activities are going to be Partly here at the consulate, but also at AGC of Utah. Yep, American General Contractors. Oh, exactly. Yep. We'll yep. yep. Definitely. And again, we want to thank our uh, our partners. I just want to mention some of them. Yeah. We'll mention some of them, but AGC, the Utah Occupational Safety and Health, Southwestern Carpenters, Asian Association, Utah Utah Legal Services the Hispanic uh, Chamber of Commerce, Park City Police, Utah Courts, Oakland Construction, Layton Construction, uh, USD Labor Wage and Hour Divisions, et cetera. So a whole bunch of partners. It's impressive. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, there's uh, <laughs> several uh, board members who I never see in person. They always come to board meetings, but usually on Zoom. But I always see them in person at your opening ceremony. So oh. it's quite impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's good. And the Safety Council will be uh, there Wednesday. Right. Uh, JP will be there giving free accounting lessons if, uh, if you want. <laughs> 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 is, it, is, is there still time for employers or companies to get involved with Labor Rights Week? Yes, they should read out, reach out to you. Okay. Through Fernanda. Very nice, very nice. Well, what am I missing, JP Fabiano? I mean, oh. this is your chance being in front of a living, breathing diplomat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel very honored to be here. Um, and also, it's very eye opening to understand and know of all these resources that are available to the Latino community. Because, mm -hmm. like, 
Fabiana said, and you mentioned too, it's more of a cultural thing. We are not very used to reaching out and seeking for help, this type of help. So um, I cannot imagine for people that are here um, in a undocumented immigration status, right? right? So it's very important to understand that there are plenty of resources to them. So it's eye-opening for me as well, and I'm grateful to be here. I was thinking if it would be okay with you to extend the invitation in Spanish. No. So yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Okay, like, if great. we can just say all this in Spanish for our Latino community, and okay. then just yeah. repeat uh, the whole thing in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you can that, just that, that, that last hour. <laughs> <laughs> the invitation with the dates yeah, and yeah, yeah, sure. Por supuesto, eh, pues aprovechar la oportunidad para hacer una atenta invitación a toda la comunidad de habla hispana. Eh, en el estado de Utah a que acudan al consulado y, y para informarse a nuestras redes para conocer el programa de la Semana de Derechos Laborales 2023, que este año empieza el 28 de agosto y termina el 1 de septiembre. Eh, es sobre todo información y discusiones, charlas, eh, cursos de certificación, eh, alguna clase gratuita, pero sobre todo pues el tener la oportunidad de tener... Uh, contacto con una serie de instituciones que trabajan en el área de derechos laborales y que están disponibles para toda la comunidad. Eh, decía que consultaran nuestras redes sociales porque el programa tiene sede en el consulado, pero también hay otros, otros eventos que van a ser fuera del consulado y ahí pueden ver bien el programa. Pero para decir muy brevemente que, entre otras cosas, tendremos un panel de discusión sobre derechos de las víctimas de trata en Utah, una charla informativa sobre cuáles son los derechos de los trabajadores eh, latinos, eh, un par de cursos, tres cursos de certificación, uno seguridad en el lugar de trabajo, otro en certificación en el uso de montacargas y otro en formatos y documentos de seguridad que te, tienen un costo por las oficinas que los, que los imparten, pero un costo preferencial en este caso por ser la Semana de Derechos Laborales. Vamos a tener una feria laboral donde habrá más de 30 empresas eh, que están ofreciendo algunos empleos, entonces pueden acudir a eso y vamos a tener, al finalizar, un, 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 van a ofrecer uno de nuestros patrocinadores tacos gratis también. Eh, en fin, entonces acérquense al consulado. Toda esta información es para todos los hispanoparlantes no tienen que ser mexicanos para acceder a esta información. Eh, acudan a nuestras redes sociales, Facebook, eh, Instagram y eh, Twitter o ahora X. Eh, <risa> eh, si buscan Consulado de México en Salt Lake, encontrarán la dirección. Encontraremos la información. Uh -huh. No, muchas gracias. De verdad que es muy informativo todo lo que has mencionado. Eh, eh, como decía él, como mencioné antes, eh, para nosotros, no solamente la comunidad mexicana, pero la comunidad, comunidad latina, saber que podemos acudir aquí también y encontrar diferente información y referencias. Eh, esta es una semana muy importante para todos los trabajadores y, y bueno, o sea, poder llegar hasta acá y poder, ojalá que todos podamos venir y podamos compartir nosotros como Utah Safety Council vamos a estar acá presente el lunes y también el miércoles con JP uh, para ofrecer lo que nosotros hacemos y esperamos poder verles a todos ustedes uh, y puedan aprender también ¿no? un poquito más 
Ah, y expandir nuestro conocimiento porque incluso vas a, van a ofrecer eh, certificaciones, ¿correcto? Así es, certificaciones y también, pues bueno, aprovechar para, para comentar que los servicios eh, donde tenemos información de recursos en materia no solamente laborales, pero también de educación, de salud claro. y de asesoría financiera, que está, son información en español y está disponible para toda la comunidad latina. Entonces, si alguien tiene dudas, ¿cómo abrir una cuenta de banco? ¿Quieren la información en español? ¿Cómo aplico para un préstamo? ¿No estoy familiarizado? Pueden venir. Claro. Eh, tenemos uh, eh, seguridad en la entrada del, del consulado, que normalmente es para organizar nuestras citas, pero entonces les van a preguntar si tienen cita. Les pueden decir que vienen a una de las ventanillas, ya sea de salud, de educación o de asesoría financiera, y les van a permitir la entrada. Entonces nada más lo ah, buenísimo. que es decir bueno saber eso. en la entrada que vienen a eso, eh, porque normalmente la gente que acude, la mayoría es que viene con su cita, claro. y les dicen que esperen hasta que será la hora de su cita. Claro. Pero eh, asegúrense de decirle al guardia de seguridad que vienen a solicitar información de ventanilla educativa, salud o educación financiera y les permitirán el acceso. Muy buena información, bueno saberlo. Eh, te hago una pregunta. Mm. Entonces, ¿hay otros negocios locales que todavía tienen tiempo a, de poder participar y ofrecer sus servicios? Sí, si todavía hay tiempo, eh, lo que podemos hacer es acudan a nuestras redes sociales y si quieren dejar ahí un mensaje o tienen okay. una pregunta, nosotros los vamos a estar revisando okay. y entonces les podemos contestar con la información. Eh, no sé si tú tengas ahí a la mano, Fer, las direcciones de, de, de nuestras redes sociales. Bueno, tenemos un, también un teléfono. Pueden ir a las redes sociales, como les decía, buscar Consulado de México y van a encontrar ahí nuestra cuenta y pueden entrar. Pero si no, también pueden, si quieren información en particular sobre la Semana de Derechos Laborales, el teléfono con la LADA local 801-5218-502, extensión 111 o 116. El número otra vez es 5218-502, extensión 111 y 116 o escribir al correo electrónico protección sal, así como suena, 01 arroba sre.gov.mx. El gov, recuerden que es con B grande, porque es gobierno <risa> claro, en español, sí. no en inglés. Okay. No, muy bien. Eh... Muchas gracias. Okay. Trabaja, trabaja el micrófono. <risa> eh, no, muchísimas gracias. Eh, como digo una vez más, como latina eh, nacida en Argentina, eh, saber toda esta información es, es una bendición y, y poder expandirlo al, al resto de, de las personas aquí en Utah. Uh, es un honor tenerlo acá usted. Uh, o bueno, que ustedes nos tengan acá en su presencia. Uh, pero uh, y compartir toda esta información con nosotros. Muchas gracias y gracias por ayudarnos a, a compartir esta información con todos los hispanoparlantes. Claro, y ahora se viene eh, el mes de la herencia latina. Así es. Así la herencia es. hispana. Ah, de la herencia hispana, entonces eh, pues hay muchas actividades que se organizan aquí a nivel local. Okay. Nosotros eh, participamos en varias de ellas. Claro, tenemos también nuestras festividades porque... Justo septiembre 
el 16 de septiembre es nuestro día nacional, ah, el día de la independencia bueno. de México. Así que tendremos abierto a todo el público, no tienen que estar mexicanos tampoco, abierto a todo el público, el día 13 de septiembre en el Gallivan Center, a partir de las 6 de la tarde, una celebración con música mexicana. Qué bonita. Eh, habrá mariachi, habrá danza folclórica mexicana. Yo daré, si alguna vez ustedes han visto un, un evento de estos, se llama El Grito. Sí. Que es un poco, ¿no? Sí, Daré sí. el grito. Qué lindo. Habrá, y habrá food trucks y todo lo demás. Va a ser una gran fiesta el uh, 13 de septiembre, a partir de las 6 de la tarde en el Galiban Center. I caught a little bit of that. You know, your, your, your predecessor, uh, Consul Bojorn, uh -huh. yeah, he invited me to uh, the Latin American Symphony. And I've been right. to American symphonies before where we suit up and sit there and just listen. <laughs> that was not my experience. A lot right, right, yeah. right, yeah. It was dancing. Right. And it was so much fun. So, so we're going to do that on the 18th. Okay. I'm so, in. Yeah. I'm in. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. And on the 13th, uh, we're doing the sort of the celebration open to everybody at the Gallivan Center, uh, September 13th, 6 p.m. from 6 p.m. to 8.30 and there'll be music, dances, uh, food trucks, and we do the ceremony. Yeah, this time I'm going to limber up and stretch before I... <laughs> <laughs> John, I just had one, one question. Yeah. I noticed the art in the room, mm -hmm. um, and I didn't know artists are self-employed, um, and we talked about the workers, but I didn't know um, there's, there's a lot of immigrants in general are, are very entrepreneurial. They start a lot of small businesses, mm -hmm. so I didn't know if there were services here for small businesses, Or, or with Utah Safety Council right. on how to start that kind of stuff or, or if, they, if there's any of that that you do here? Yes, we work with some of our allies who precisely work on that. Some, some of them are, have the experience of having had opening up their own business, uh, but we work uh, in, uh, you know, with the small business bureau administration. We work with local organizations that provide courses or information about how to open Uh, you know, a small business locally, what are the re legal requirements, the permits, et cetera, et cetera. So that's one area for sure. And regarding the art, thank you for mentioning it. That's another part that we do, which is cultural promotion. And this is the work that we, where we are right now is a, a, a very young Mexican artist who, she's 24, mm. and she... Uh, lives in St. George, and she's lived here, she's 24, she's lived here 22 years of her life, and we do a contest every year for open to all Latin American artists here, and it's now, I think we just closed it, uh, the, the call this year, but anyway, she won the contest uh, in 2019, but her exposition wasn't, wasn't possible because of the pandemic, and then later on, But Aww. finally, we were able to open uh, her ex uh, exhibition. This series that she did is she's trying to reflect the richness of textiles in indigenous communities in Mexico. So beautiful. It yes, is. So she's I very talented. And she's very young. I was really surprised when I met her because I, I don't know why, but I didn't expect her to be so young, you know? Because, <laughs> yeah, because her work very, is very yeah. mature. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so we do that as well. Um, we're going to have, like, for example, a very famous cartoonist of, of, of Mexico. He's coming to Fanex 
Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to we're going to do other activities with him. We're probably going to do a pop-up event. Uh, we're taking him to give some lectures at the university. Anyway, so we do all types of things, as well as we do trade promotion. Um, we're going to have, in October, the governor is going down to Mexico with a trade delegation, so we're working on that as well. So, yeah, it's quite an interesting line of work. Yeah, very cool. I just want to confirm the art calls are through the consulate? Through the consulate, yeah. so they okay. can uh, go to um, our social media and they will get all the information. Awesome. Well, yeah, uh, we're an hour into it, so we should start wrapping up. I do want to ask culturally, uh, you mentioned, uh, how proud is Latin America that uh, the results of the last two World Cups, men's and women's? I mean, that's got to be pretty cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> For sure, definitely. Right? Yeah, yeah. Now. I'm still crying. I'm still crying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Celebrating. got to be kind of fun to watch, uh, you know, the... The Spanish women and Argentinian men beat up on the uh, European teams. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly very exciting. And, uh, yeah. it, it gives us a lot of pride in, in you know, in general. Uh, we had our, our, our team participating in the, um, in, in the World Cup. And, of course, they, they, they weren't doing very well from the very beginning. So we said, but we know it's going to be a Latin American. It was very beautiful to see, like, um, when, you know, when the celebration and here in Utah in the capital. And they were like, oh, Argentinian, there were people from everywhere, everywhere, yeah. you know, like, Every, all Latinos, like from Mexico, Venezuela, Colombia, everywhere, and like even Europe, and everybody was like celebrating with us, and it was it felt so nice because uh, it's not just like oh Argentina won a cup, it's just like we won a cup, you know, right, and yeah. so it was so beautiful. And it was great. I mean, for me, I was just so hoping because I wanted to see Messi, you know, oh, have a yeah. World Cup. Yeah, yes. time. It was like, yeah, finally, yeah, that was great. Yeah, yeah. very you know, nice. Yeah. I was going to ask you something, but not in the program. Oh, I was going okay. <laughs> to ask you about Argentinian food. What about it? If there's anything here. Oh, well, we do have a restaurant in Sandy. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, I want to, I don't remember right now. I'm going to, you know, write it down for okay. you. Uh, so the owner is from Brazil. Okay. But the meat, because we, uh-huh. we are known from the meat, right? Oh, and yeah, so yeah, the meat is so good. Oh. So very good restaurant over there. And then they have another one in Orem. Um, I like it, but it's not really Argentinian. Okay. And there's two different in Orem. One is asado and the other one is a bakery. Okay. And then we do, uh, we, we don't. Cause she has <laughs> a bakery. Uh, it's, the name is Tina Bakery. And they and have empanadas? They do have empanadas over there. So that is in Park City. So it's closer. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm a big fan of of, of, of Argentinian beef and empanadas. Yes. Yes, that's the best. (laughs) I I was in Park City. Mm. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I was in Park City on Sunday and I I wanted to go to that bakery because I've never been there. And so, but it was closed and I was like, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it's been an honor, uh, Consul Baca. Maybe as we close it out, maybe just give us uh, your final words of priorities and goals for the upcoming year serving and supporting the Mexican community in Utah. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It's been a uh, great to, uh, chance to, to talk with you. I just want to reiterate, particularly, the, the message to the Latino 
community that, you know, we are a resource that is available here. In the traditional documentation work, of course, it's, it's, it's only for Mexicans, but to realize that there are a lot of resources, especially informational resources that are available and that I would hope to reach as many people as possible in the Latino community here in Utah. So, and uh, our goals is to continue to strengthen uh, the work of the consulate. We ha are lucky because we have, like I said, quite a few times during the, the, the podcast, great allies. So we hope to continue to grow that network of allies and to continue to strengthen the work and widen the work and the reach of that work to, uh, to the community. So that's our, our main goal to better serve our community. Very good. And we're here to support Utah Safety Council. This has been Speaking Up for Safety, a podcast brought to you by the Utah Labor Commission and the Mexican Consul's Office today. So thank you very much. Thanks for being here. Thanks, JP. Thanks, Fabiana. Thanks, Brandon. How's that for a closing? Better than last time? This, this time we have one. So that's yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> very good. It's the best one yet. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, everybody. Great. Thank you so much.